fresh every Tuesday for MSPs around the world. This is Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. I'm delighted to have you back for another podcast. Here's what's coming up in today's show. Actually, I don't want to start recommending you to people or or are you going to call me and ask me for a bunch of my contacts? We've also got a great book suggestion from the legend that is Nigel Moore of the Tech Tribe. That's coming up towards the end of the show. I'm going to tell you how you can win some pretty cool prizes as we celebrate our first anniversary And I've got three great marketing blogs that you really should follow. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. I do a lot of proactive marketing, and I mean a serious amount. There's me spending about 50% of my time on proactive marketing. I have a full-time marketing manager, a guy called James, who is amazing. And between us, we share a network of virtual assistants, freelancers, people who do specific jobs for us. So as a business, we are as geared up for marketing our business as much as we are geared up for delivering what it is that we actually sell. And this, by the way, is the secret to running a great business. You shouldn't just be an MSP. You should be the marketer of an MSP as well. And you almost need to dedicate, I guess, really up to 50% of your time to doing that. Anyway, what I want to talk about today is criticism. Because I'm out there so much, pretty proactive on LinkedIn, perhaps not as proactive as I should be, but we're doing loads and loads of stuff on email. We have all sorts of segments with different campaigns running, some of them broadcasts, some of them automated schedules. We do loads of stuff on our Facebook group, which has just passed more than a thousand MSPs. We've got this podcast of course, we do bits and bobs on YouTube, and inevitably, at some point, you get criticised. In fact, this happened to me on LinkedIn a few weeks ago. It was when we were doing the podcast about good, better, best. Do you remember the one about three-tier selling? I think this was back in episode 44. And I put it on LinkedIn, as I normally do, and someone, I forget who, criticised it, saying, oh, that's very old hat. It's not how it's done these days. That's what all the big vendors used to do back in the day. Do you know what? I don't care (laughs) in the nicest possible way. That's why the person's name hasn't stuck in my head. In the nicest possible way, I don't care about critics. I really don't. And in fact, as you do more and more marketing, you have to toughen up to the critics. Some of the things that have been said directly to me over the years have been just ridiculous. They really have. I sent out a piece of direct mail once and someone sent it back to me without a stamp on the envelope. So I had to pay to go and get it from the post office and they'd scribbled all over it and written, recycle your own rubbish. It's like, why would you do that? Why would you waste your life energy taking someone's direct mail, which, you know, whether you liked it or not is irrelevant, but writing on it, getting an envelope, writing the address and and posting it? Why would you do that? What kind of small minded nature would make you want to do something like that? It's like the people who hit reply to your emails and just give you a bit of grief or say, how did you get my details? I do love it when that happens because I can show someone the page that they opted in and tell them the exact date and time that they opted in and sometimes their IP address as well. That's a fun one that is. But you have to ignore the critics because here's the thing that happens as you do more and more marketing, more and more people criticize you. It is that classic thing of you put your head above the parapet and people take pot shots at you. But this is the nature of the world. Small-minded people cannot help but attacking what they fear or attacking what they have an opinion of. It's the main reason I stay clear of Reddit, to be honest. Have you been on Reddit? It's like the Wild West of the internet. Anything that you put on there, someone will come in, will attack it, will criticize it, and typically they'll do it anonymously as well. And I just don't have time for that kind of stuff. 
What I see though with some of the MSPs that I work with is that as they do more and more marketing, they start to attract more criticism as well. And it really affects them. You know, one person, one stranger emailing back and saying that they're not happy with something or they didn't like this email or they disagree with them or something like that. And some of my clients, they really can't cope with that. And I understand that. I understand the psychology of that because I used to be like that as well. When I started my first business back in 2005, if I had any criticism at all from clients, from my team, uh, or even from just strangers responding to marketing, I took it very, very personally. And I would obsess over it. I would go to sleep thinking about it at night. It would be the first thought in my mind the next morning. And that's quite disruptive to a normal life. And over the years, I just kind of hardened up a bit. And I realized that actually, if the clients criticize you, then that's something that you should listen to. Because 99 times out of 100, your clients want you to succeed. They want you to be great. They want you to do a good job. And I've never been scared of client feedback because client feedback is your clients telling you how they think you can improve what you do. They're not always right, of course, but they are right a majority of the time. And I listen very, very carefully to what my clients say. And if we can go and act on something like that, then we will go and act on it. But I tell you who I don't listen to? Strangers. People who just respond to marketing that I've sent out. People I don't know. And I think you should have exactly the same attitude. Sure, if they come back with a little bit of criticism and it's a valid point, that's one thing. But it's the nasty trolls, the critics, the angry anonymous people on the internet. You shouldn't listen to those people because they're just not valid. Their opinion is not valid. You're trying to do something amazing with your business. You're trying to grow your business, get more new clients, make more profit so you can pay your staff more, so you can invest in better tools and do an even better job for your clients. That's why your market yourself. That's why putting yourself out there and being proactive, it's a really important part of growing your business. If you don't do that, you can't grow the business. Being good at what you do isn't enough. You've got to be great at marketing what you do as well. And that's why I think you've got to ignore those critics. Focus on what your clients say. Focus on what people are doing with their wallets more than what they're doing with their angry anonymous comments. Here's this week's clever idea. Let's be honest, with the internet, it's so easy to find the answer to almost any question that you have. The problem is knowing which answer. We've all done this when we've Googled a problem and there's been about 640,000 potential answers to that problem. This is why your business still exists and my business still exists. Because even though the answers are out there, you need someone with experience to pick the correct answer for the specific set of circumstances. Now let's take marketing advice, for example. There's tons of marketing advice out there, but it is not an equal playing field because there's a ton of absolute rubbish. And then there's a small number of marketing blogs that are actually worth you reading. And I'm going to give you three of them now. So these are three marketing blogs that marketing people like to read, but they're not techie, you know, marketing techie blogs, you know, getting all technical with your marketing. Well, actually, one of them is a, is a little bit techie, but it's still a very interesting read. Let me tell you what they are. The first blog that I read and that I recommend is the HubSpot blog. Now, HubSpot is just amazing at its own content marketing. HubSpot is a CRM. It's an integrated suite of tools that you can use on your website to track prospects and just see what's happening across all sorts of things across your business. It's a very powerful tool set. I know a number of people that are using it now. It's very expensive. It's not cheap at all. And you'll find that your bill goes up and up and up. 
But my goodness, these guys know how to do marketing. They presumably use their own tools to do marketing and they are really, really good at marketing. And their blog is one of the best marketing blogs out there. So if you just Google HubSpot blog, uh, you will be in fine company. There is plenty of really good advice there. What they're particularly good at is long form content where they do very, very in-depth articles about specific subjects. And it's no surprise, really, that they're in a partnership with Marcus Sheridan, who wrote the book They Ask, You Answer, because he uses HubSpot to power his businesses and he recommends long form content. And HubSpot is full of long form content. So I wouldn't be surprised if they are very, very close and feeding each other. That's not a bad thing. In fact, that's a very fruitful partnership. The other blog that I read on a regular basis is written by Neil Patel. Now, this is quite a search engine optimization focused blog, but Neil Patel is just a genius. He's a genius, again, for writing very long form content, very in-depth articles about very specific things to do with search engines and coming up more on the website and increasing your conversions. But the way he writes them, they're so open. You know, I'm not a search engine expert by any measure. I'm not even really a tactical expert. I'm a good strategy guy and I have to work very hard to do the tactical stuff. That's why I employ other people to do it for me. But I understand pretty much everything I read on Neil Patel's blog. It's just wonderful. And he has a writing style which makes it really easy for anyone, people like you and me, to understand exactly what it is he's writing about. The third blog that I recommend you read is a little bit different, but it's one of those that could give you some amazing ideas, and it's marketingexamples.com. So here, the author of this blog, I forget his name, but he trawls around the internet looking for examples of great marketing, and he will then go into an analysis of why these are great marketing. And so often, if we're looking for inspiration for something to do or a new experiment to try or just generally just ideas, because a lot of great marketing comes out of taking two or three ideas and putting them together and creating a brand new idea. Well, often we'll go on to marketingexamples.com and we'll find some great ideas and it will trigger off ideas, something new we would simply never have thought of. I mean, these are just three of the great blogs that I read. There are a number more that I could talk about and maybe I'll feature them in a future podcast. But if you were to read only these three blogs for your marketing education, oh my goodness, you're going to get such great ideas out of them. Paul's blatant plug. You might have heard me launch this competition in last week's podcast. We're celebrating nearly a year of the podcast with a giveaway throughout the whole of October. I've got three cool prizes for you to win. First prize is a one-to-one marketing consult with me. We will jump on a Zoom call. We'll go through all of your marketing and I will advise you on a load of things that you can do, both strategic and tactical stuff to get more new leads, turn those leads into prospects and ultimately those prospects into clients. Now, if you give your permission, we'll record that and turn it into a future podcast special. If you'd really rather not do that, that's fine with me. We'll just do it as a one-to-one consult. That's a conversation we can have if you win the first prize. Now, the second prize is a copy of my best-selling video training course. It's called the MSP Net Profit Masterclass. 
It sells on my website for around £799 plus VAT if you're in the UK or $999 if you're in the US or anywhere else around the world. And it's a 21-week video course, very, very powerful, completely focused on improving the net profitability of your MSP. So that's the second prize. The third prize is £100 to spend on Amazon or whatever is the equivalent in your local currency and my recommended book list. So you can go and buy some business business and marketing books that I recommend, or you could just spend it on yourself. Really doesn't matter. Now to enter, it's very simple. You just have to go onto my website, paulgreensmspmarketing.com slash win. And what that will do is that will redirect you to a post on LinkedIn. And on that post, it tells you exactly how you have to win. It's very, very simple. I've made it easy to do. And all the terms and conditions and all that kind of legal stuff, that's on there as well. Paul Green's MSPmarketing.com slash win. The big interview. Hi, I'm Lindsay Willett. I'm the founder of Customer Thermometer. We provide one-click feedback, satisfaction, and software for a whole range of markets all over the world, but we specialize in service, help desk ticketing systems, and also MSPs. So loads of MSPs use Customer Thermometer, and I've had lots of discussions with people about it and how simple it is. And I love those little, you know, the little ticks, which one are you going to press at the end of a ticket to give instant feedback? It's one of those things that when you look at it, you think, oh, Oh, that's so obvious. Why didn't I think of that? So what was the inspiration for you? What made you think up Customer Thermometer and create it back in 2011? Customer Thermometer came from actually an experience that I had in a technology marketing agency. So I founded a a tech marketing agency when I was quite young, actually, I was 24. And we grew it quite well through the recession. And we were finding that as we brought people on board to look after our big retained customers, where, you know, they were monthly retainers or annual retainers and, and LTV was really important, although I don't think we understood the LTV term back then, we wanted to make sure that the people that were looking after those customers we're doing as good a job as we would have done, I guess. We didn't have the capacity because we had you know, lots of customers and lots of stakeholders in each customer to ring everybody every week. And also that would have just got a bit annoying. So we wanted a way really of reaching beyond the business in a way that wasn't time consuming or annoying to just say, how are you feeling about how we've done this month? And our clients knew that we would we would respond very quickly. Um, we had an SLA of responding, I think, within three hours if someone hit the most negative rating. And it would be uh, me or the co-founder of the business that called them directly within three hours and just said, I'm really sorry, can you tell us a bit more about what's gone wrong? And so many of our customers asked to buy this thing that we'd kind of rigged up, you know, using using sort of Outlook, that it just seemed like a really good idea to build it. And, and actually, what's really interesting to me, and it goes back to net promoter score, I think, and the whole closing the loop thing, people respond much more to a person using the customer thermometer system as a, as a sort of all-encompassing process around the business, around customer satisfaction. So the phone call and the process that's wrapped around it for customer delight is, is the most important thing in in that, that customer success and customer framework, I would say. You mentioned net promoter score there. Would you mind just explaining what that is for anyone that doesn't quite know? A sort of an industry benchmark um, way of getting 
customer loyalty. It's really a customer loyalty rating about, um, it's the question that you see on lots of surveys that said, you know, on a scale of zero to 10, would you recommend us to a friend or a colleague? It was invented by the consultant Bain and Company, and it, it's largely used in large businesses. I sit on the fence really about how useful it is more broadly. I think it's very overused and it can put people off if you use it too early in your process. So I think, you know, if you've just started to sell to somebody or you've just onboarded them, I think the whole would you recommend us question can actually be quite off-putting because I think the person receiving it might think, well, actually, I don't want to start recommending you to people or or are you going to call me and ask me for a bunch of my contacts? It can be a little off-putting, so you've got to be careful where you use it, but it produces a, a single score that allows you to benchmark yourself against other companies in your industry. And so that's why I think it's been very broadly adopted, particularly at sort of, you know, massive global conglomerate level. So you're in, uh, I think it's about more than 1,500 companies now uh, in in 60 countries across the world. So you you clearly know a lot about customer feedback. What are the best practices? What are the things that you should be doing when you get negative feedback and when you get positive feedback? The most important thing is action. Um, The most important thing is that if somebody has taken the time to give you that feedback, don't hide from it. You know, even if it's awful, don't hide from it. Get on the phone, have a conversation. Most of the time that massively diffuses it because the person is not expecting a phone call and, and they will fall off their chair and actually go, oh, I'm really sorry. I was just a bit cross. Like we see that a lot. And, you know, particularly if, if you really have messed up, which all companies do, I think that's the other thing to accept is it we know that it is impossible to run, you know, even the best brands that we see, the kind of glossiers and the dollar shave clubs who use us, you know, incredible level of customer satisfaction but you know everybody messes up from time to time or or a customer perceives that they have you know get on the phone have a conversation about it send a flower or you know flowers or an amazon voucher something like that that goes a really really long way and you know make sure that you share that feedback in a completely non-blameworthy way within the business to say this is what we did wrong it doesn't matter why that happened, because we're all doing these things with the best intentions, but let's not do it again and let's all learn from it. I think a lot of companies, even small ones, hide something that's gone wrong because, you know, it's down to an individual or you know somebody made a mistake. And I think if you can encourage that blame-free culture where you just say, look, we all mess up, let's talk about it so that we can make sure that it doesn't happen again. And you know, as we all know, customers have very different vagaries. They can, certain things that will delight one customer will not delight another one. And, and, and so you just, you know, if you share it within that context of learning what the individual customer's like, I think it's very powerful. Definitely, definitely reduces churn because you just don't let it breed and you just don't let it get onto social media too. You've got that kind of private monitoring of customer sat. And then on the positive level, I think that's a really interesting one. So where you have overly long surveys, people just won't bother to fill them in to say they're delighted. It just doesn't happen. It, only unhappy individuals are motivated to complete long forms. If you can, you know, use something shorter, or use something that's more engaging and, and more akin to the kind of Uber, rate your driver, that sort of scenario. At various touch points, you, you get more positive feedback as a result. That's actually a really good virtuous circle within the team. They start to appreciate what good service looks like as opposed to just being beaten with a stick about what bad service looks like. And you can start to celebrate that success and and, and people become proud of the sort of gold stars that they've received and the plaudits. And also when you get those really good pieces of feedback, a lot of the time, if you reach out to that customer and say, hey, 
can we have a case study? Can we have a quote? Can we use that on our website? You start to actually create quite a library of really useful commentary about how you can get your staff performing at the highest level, but also, you know, assets and tools that you can use to market and sell your business to new customers as well. And for MSPs using customer thermometer or any of the other tools, what are the sort of the best practice things for them? Is it, is it a case of, as you just said, being very responsive, diffusing problems before they happen and, and using the positivity to in, enhance your team and to make your team happy? Or are there some specific technology-based things that you could be doing with that as well? The, the process around it is the most important thing. I think what we see is, is many people using this sort of system purely within their ticketing environment. But the most successful users of it, and I think the ones that get even more value, are the ones that use it more widely. So a good example would be um, if you if you can set it up so that you're checking how you know the customers onboarding and training was. You're checking every month just to see you know are you broadly happy. That might be somewhere where you might want to use the net promoter question. Um, then the ticketing piece and then, you know, towards the end as well. And, and, you know, any feedback on, um, sort of regular sales and servicing. And actually, if you can track that feedback to an individual domain, then when you're going in for your quarterly business review, you can compile that and take it in with you so that you've got that as a bit of a suit of armor, because we hear a lot that, you know, you're only as good as your last ticket or your last failure. You know, if there's been a big outage or some sort of massive issue in the week before your renewal comes up, you know, you're really struggling to get off the back foot there to be able to to get your renewal for the year or to upsell more product or service. Whereas I think if you if that does happen and you, you go in with a QBR that says, look, we, we appreciate that we got uh, had a bit of a howler last week, but you know this is how we fixed it because we had all of our warning systems in place. And actually, if you look at the previous quarter, satisfaction was at you know ninety seven percent. That can be incredibly valuable as a tool. I think the other place we see people really doing things well is when they go in to sell to new customers. It's a differentiator. So they will say, look, not only do we really care about how this works for you, but we've got this whole system whereby we measure it at these points. We will feed back how we're doing and how you've told us we're doing once a quarter. And we will also call you within X hours or email you in Y hours if things are not up to um, standard. And I think, you know, that demonstrates a real commitment visibly to customer satisfaction, which you know, ultimately with an MSP, particularly at the moment, you, you just want everything to work well, you want the relationship to be good, and you want to know that they're keeping an eye on that, not just the sort of technical service quality, but the kind of service wrap around the outside. And so when you're going in to sell, I, I think it's it's one way that you can differentiate to say, you know, we don't just care about it, we actively measure it at all of these points and, and follow up instantly if you're not happy. This is just brilliant stuff. Thank you, Lindsay. How can we get in touch with you and what's Customer Thermometer's website? So it's customerthermometer.com. If anyone wants anything at all, um, they can email me. So my email address is lindsay at customerthermometer.com and that's L-I-N-D-S-A-Y. And we're on Twitter and LinkedIn as well. So any questions, you know, there's a ton of free assets on our website, including an MSP sort of customer success playbook, which is, is free to download and you don't need to put your details in or anything. Um, and if anyone wants to chat about anything at the moment, we're really happy to help. It's a tough, tough market and environment. So, you know, we are, we're sort of giving as much as we can and supporting our, our community as much as we can. So if we can help, then um, yeah, get in touch. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. 
This week's recommended book. G'day, Nigel Moore here from the Tech Tribe. I may be a little bit biased, but we are the industry's most awesome program and community for MSPs. And I'm going to cheat a little bit here and recommend two books. Now, as MSPs, we are constantly working with operating systems, operating systems for our clients, servers and computers and all sorts of stuff. And a computer needs an operating system to know how to work. And the same goes for our businesses. Our businesses need an operating system to know how to work or for us to know how to handle them and work with them. And quite often, we're not intentional about crafting that operating system. And so my suggested two books is Get a Grip by Gino Wickman and the corresponding or the complementary book called Traction by Gino Wickman. Now, the book Traction is a textbook of how to implement what they call, what Gino calls the entrepreneurial operating system into a business, which is an operating system for how to run a business. Things like meeting frameworks and KPI frameworks and uh, goal planning and, and all of that kind of stuff is all within this framework. And he calls it the entrepreneurial operating system. And the book Traction runs through the, all the different parts of that operating system. Now, the complementary book, Get a Grip, which I actually recommend you read first, is the parable of an IT services company actually implementing traction into their business. So uh, it's a great read. Highly recommend both of them. Hope you get it implemented in your business and I'll talk to you soon. How to contribute to the show. Always double the value from Nigel Moore. And if you've got a book suggestion that you'd like to make, doesn't matter who you are. You could be a vendor. You could be an MSP. You could just be someone interested in our world. If you've got a great book suggestion, then you can leave me an audio message via my website. If you just go to paulgreensmspmarketing.com slash podcast books. And on there, you'll see a list of books that have already been recommended so you don't do a duplication. And there's a little widget that you can just leave me a very, very simple book request. I've even written a kind of a basic guideline script to help you know exactly what it is that you want to say. So go on, get yourself on this podcast. Go to paulgreensmspmarketing.com slash podcast books. Coming up next week. A lot of people at the beginning of the recession started saying, well, times are hard and Carl doesn't understand and you can't get prepaid for everything. That is the legend that is Carl Palachuk, and I'm delighted to have him on the MSP Marketing Podcast next week. He's a prolific author, and his new book is about the absolutely unbreakable rules for you when you're growing and running your MSP. We're also going to look at a book about increasing your productivity. In fact, it's more focused on the habits that you have day to day than it is about the bigger picture, which makes it very easy to follow and you can make some fairly dramatic changes to your lifestyle quite quickly. We'll also be looking at whether or not you should offer your clients discounts. And I've got a final book suggestion from an MSP owner called Sam. He's got a cracking suggestion for you next week. So much in next week's podcast. Can't wait to see you then. Made in the UK for MSPs around the world. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast.